This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, over and over again, you're going to see several scriptures that talk about the, the mercy of the Lord upon those that fear God. I know the, devil way, the way the devil works. He's worked this way on me, and I'm sure he works the same way on all of us. He tries to bring condemnation with, with phrases like that or scriptures like that by trying to point out where we've fallen short or where we're not doing what we should do or whatever to try to make us feel like we're inadequate and disqualified. But there's a different meaning for those that fear the Lord. And I want to point it out to you. As I said, the modern-day church recognizes that the mercy of the Lord to save endures forever. So if the mercy of God to save endures forever, there's no sin that's too great, no sin that's too great for God to forgive, no amount of sin that's too great for God to overlook, then that would mean that the mercy of God is greater toward his enemies than it would be to his children who are seeking healing for the physical body. Is that possible? How is it, therefore, that the mercy of God is extended, according to Scripture, to them that fear him? The unsaved don't fear him. The unsaved don't have any respect to him, toward him. No, where it says the mercy of God is extended toward those that fear him, it means the children of God. It means those that have chosen to serve him and follow him. It means his family. So let me read this again with that understanding. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, his children, in other words, upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Now, I'll remind you of a scripture that doesn't talk about the mercy of God, but you can see how it relates. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, I believe it is, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those. God is seeking those whom he may show himself strong on their behalf. Now, if the eyes of the Lord are running throughout the earth to seek somebody, looking for somebody for God to show himself strong to, and the Lord's tender mercies are over all of his works. He's looking for somebody to show his mercy unto them. Well, who, is it, who does the Bible tell us his eyes are on? Notice verse 18 again. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Upon them that hope in his mercy. He's looking for his children. So he can show himself strong on their behalf. And cover them with his mercy. I'm going to read from Psalm 69. Verse 16, it says, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies. How big is the multitude? Bigger than we need. The mercy of God is greater than anything we'll have ever have need for. Psalm 86. Verse 5, it says, For thou, Lord, thou, Lord art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy. That would mean plenteous in healing. 
among other things. Plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Not a few, but all. Verse 12 says, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forever. For great is thy mercy toward me. We need to develop faith in God's mercy toward us. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Well, that's true for us. He's delivered us from the power of spiritual death. Psalm 103, verse 10, it says, He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For, because, as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. That's his children. That's his family. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. How high is the heaven above the earth? You can't measure it. An immeasurable amount. So great is his mercy toward them that fear him. That would have to include healing. Or else we're going to have to change the Bible. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed all of our transgressions from us, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. The word pity means to have mercy. As a father pities or has mercy upon his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. Verse 17, it says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, his family, and his righteousness unto children's children. So it tells you two things in this psalm about the mercy of God. It's too big to measure, and it never comes to an end. That would have to include healing mercy too. Psalm 147, verse 11, it says, The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him. That's you. Those that have put his word first place in their lives. Made Jesus their Lord and Savior. The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Now I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 30, and verse 18. It says, and therefore will the Lord wait. The word wait means to adhere to, talking about God adhering to his promises for Israel, which was a type of the things that belonged to the church. And therefore will the Lord wait or adhere to what he's promised, that he may be gracious, disposed to show favors unto you. And therefore will he, speaking of Jesus, be exalted that he have, may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is the God of judgment, Blessed are all that wait for him. This verse of scripture is specifically saying that Jesus is exalted at the right hand of the Father for one purpose, and that is to administer the mercy of God to his people. What's Jesus doing at the right hand of the Father? He's administering the mercy of God. Well, that fits exactly with what Hebrews chapter 2 says. Verse 17, it says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. The two characteristics that the Bible identifies about Jesus now at the right hand of the Father as your high priest is that he's merciful and he's faithful, full of eager yearning and dependable. Now I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 15 because when you talk about the mercy of God, especially when people are, are looking for God to heal them, heal their bodies. It's easy to fall into the trap of the devil because when you talk to people that are 
facing sickness and disease, talk to them about the mercy of God, the question immediately comes to their mind, well, if God's merciful, why didn't he heal me? But I want you to see something about mercy. The mercy of God that's everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting is upon them that fear him. The mercy of God that endures forever. The mercy of God that healed the sick in Jesus' day. Beginning in verse 22, it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, Tyre and Sidon, and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She recognizes that deliverance is the mercy of God. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he's saying, there's a reason why I can't be merciful to you. It's not time to show mercy unto the Gentiles. That will come after the resurrection. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Now, folks, remember what we've just read. The mercy of the Lord is as high as the heaven is above the earth upon those that fear him. She's showing respect, reverence, what the Bible calls fear unto Jesus. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered her not a word. Or, I'm sorry, but he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread, the deliverance or the healing that you're looking for, and to cast it to dogs, to Gentiles. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She's not going to turn loose of her request for mercy. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto, e be it unto thee, even as thou, thou wilt. And, his, and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I want you to notice something, folks. Even the mercy of God that endures forever must be triggered by faith. See, when you talk about mercy, so many times people look at it and say, well, okay, mercy means God can do anything. And even when we said and looked at the examples of where Jesus said to the leper, I will or I want to be thou clean. If God wants to heal me, why didn't he just do it? But it takes faith to access the mercy of God. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now there's a difference well, let me look at a couple of other examples and then I'll make that statement. Turn with me now to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. 
verse 46, and it said, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Everybody knows this guy. He's called by name. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he cast away his garment, rose, and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Notice he's calling for mercy, and that mercy meant healing. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now here's the point I'm trying to make. In the ministry of Jesus, we'd have to conclude from the Bible principle, the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, that all the works that Jesus did, all the healings that Jesus performed, all the deliverances that Jesus enacted, were due to the mercy of God. They weren't due to law. It wasn't because anybody deserved it. It was because God wanted to heal people and set them free. That has to be the case for the Bible to be true, right? But the majority of people that were healed in Jesus' ministry were healed by an act of their own faith. Almost 75% of them. Furthermore, the Bible gives us examples like when Jesus was in Nazareth, his, own, his uh, hometown, the town that he grew up in, of where unbelief kept him from doing any mighty work. Mark 6, 5 says, and he could there in Nazareth, he could there do no mighty work. It doesn't say he wouldn't. It says he couldn't. Save or accept that he laid his hands a few, upon a few sickly folks, a few folks with minor ailments, and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. So we'd have to conclude that the unbelief of the people, in Nazareth at least, hindered the mercy of God from doing what God wanted to be done. There were no blind eyes opened in Nazareth. No crippled people that were healed in Nazareth. No cancers healed. No leprosies cleansed. Even though Jesus was sent to do those very works, anointed of the Holy Ghost, to do those works. He even preached in Nazareth, the Holy Ghost is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do this stuff. He knows they've heard about him. Luke's account, Luke chapter 4's account, says that Jesus responded to him saying, I know what you're going to say. What we've heard you do in Capernaum, do here too. We've heard of the healings. We've heard of the miracles. So they've heard about them, but they wouldn't believe. And he could there in his own hometown of Nazareth do no mighty work. So the unbelief of the people hindered the mercy of God, which is as high as the heaven is above the earth and from everlasting to everlasting. So it's not a matter of mercy or faith. It's a matter of mercy and faith. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 8 tells us about when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, how he handled things. Jonah said this, he said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. Now let me interpret that for you. 
The lying vanity that he's referring to is the fish, the circumstance of his life. He's saying that those that allow the circumstances of surrounding them to dictate and determine what they will believe forfeit the mercy of God that would bring them the very deliverance that they want. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. A lot of people say things like, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why he allowed this to happen to me. The reality is when they get to heaven, God's going to say, why did you forsake the mercy of God? Why did you forsake the mercy of God? And here's what I started to say a minute ago. The leper in Mark chapter 1 didn't know if it was the will of God to heal him. Jesus had to reveal to him. The centurion in Matthew chapter 8 that said, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. He didn't have something that he could take hold of until Jesus spoke the word. So the people in Jesus' day were looking for God to do something to reveal his mercy. When they had sufficient evidence that God was healing everybody through the ministry of Jesus, everybody that came to him in faith at least, then it gave them a foundation to believe for their own healing as well. And so multitudes were healed. But it's different for us. We're not looking for God to do anything. The Bible says by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. So mercy today doesn't mean God do something for me. Mercy today means, Father, I believe in what Jesus has already done. And I take hold of it by faith. By his stripes, you were healed. Turn with me to to, uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Let me prove this to you. Hebrews chapter 4. We'll start in verse 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. The word profession is the word confession. Hold fast to what you, what you proclaim. Hold fast to the words of your mouth. Keep speaking the word of God. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. The word or the phrase touched with the feeling of our infirmities is also translated to have compassion in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 34. For we have not a high priest which cannot, which will not have compassion upon us in our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin, in other words. Let us therefore, since this is the case, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yeah, that's what we want. Lord, please give us mercy. Please, Lord, give us mercy. Heal my body. Please give us mercy. That's not what the word obtain means. The word obtain means to take, as in take hold of. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may take the mercy that's already been extended to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Take it. Don't beg for it. Take it. That's how you find grace, the finished work of Jesus, to help you in whatever your need is. Now, how do we take it? Look to chapter 3 of Hebrews, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. That word 
profession is the word confession, Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. The Father is our high priest. The Bible tells us that he's seated there to administer the mercy of God. How does he administer it? To those who take hold of it by the words of their mouth. To those that take hold of it by faith as expressed by the words of their mouth. The Lord said something to me this week that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. I, I, I hear it. I accept it. I understand it in part. But I don't think I've really seen it in my spirit yet. He said this. He said, Christians that are facing sickness and disease in their body are not less healed than Christians who have a clear bill of health from the doctor. Then he said it this way. When the symptoms of sickness leave your body, you're not more healed than you were when the symptoms existed. Because healing came through the finished work of Jesus. Healing does not come and healing is not expressed and healing is not revealed. These are my words now, not his. But healing is not revealed through the departure of the symptoms of sickness. Does that make any sense? And that's the way so much of the church world judges things. We judge whether or not we're well or sick based on the symptoms that are taking place in our body. That may be the way the doctor judges things in doing his job. But that has no bearing on spiritual truth. That has no bearing on eternal truth. Then the Lord brought this to my attention as a way of explanation. You remember when Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and he told them to work out their own salvation? What does that phrase, work out your own salvation, mean? Well, it would have to mean to live up to who they are in Christ Jesus. That would mean that there were aspects of their Christian walk where they were living below their rights and privileges as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There were things in their life they needed to correct. Paul wrote to the church and said, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, if they weren't fulfilling the lust of the flesh in certain areas of their life, he wouldn't have had to tell them to walk in the spirit. Now notice what Paul did not say. Paul did not say, get more saved. Paul did not say get more righteous because they were already righteous. They were already saved. But he's saying, as we've all experienced different areas in our own lives, that even though they were saved, even though we're made new creatures in Christ Jesus, even though we're made the righteousness of God in him, there are certain parts of our physical life, circumstances in our life, where that righteousness may not immediately show up. But when we do conquer those things and those circumstances of our life change, we didn't get more righteous. We didn't get more saved. It just manifested in our lifestyle. In the same way, the Christian who's experiencing the symptoms of sickness or disease in his body doesn't get more healed when those symptoms disappear. He was just as healed when the symptoms were there. 
Well, then what are we to do? We're to recognize that there are spiritual laws that govern this world just like there are physical laws. And the spiritual law that governs this world is your words determine your circumstances. So for the person that's experienced the symptoms of sickness in their body, it is more important for them to confess what the Bible says, that they were healed by the stripes of Jesus. Then for the person that's not facing sickness or disease. Because their words, their confession, their profession, that they were healed by the stripes of Jesus 2,000 years ago, is what Jesus uses as our high priest at the right hand of the Father to administer the healing mercy of God to their bodies. That's the only difference. That's the only difference between the Christian that's facing sickness and the one that's not. That's the only difference. Consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, our confession. What does Jesus have to work with? The words of your mouth. And in that way, we're coming to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to take hold of the mercy of God. Now, folks, there's a huge difference in that and somebody looking for God to do something to heal them. How would he do that? F.F. Bosworth in his book, Christ the Healer, in his chapter on the Lord's compassion, which is where I got a lot of the notes from this morning, the last two Sunday mornings actually, made this statement. He said, when you put yourself in a position where God can show his mercy without violating spiritual law. I think he called it the moral government of his creation. It works every time. How do we do that? By saying what God's word says. Now that seemingly small difference in attitude between something that you're looking for to happen as opposed to something that's already happened makes all the difference in the world. That's how the mercy of the Lord is enduring forever for you or will endure forever for you. When you begin to say what God's word says, we're following the same example in doing that. We're following the same example as we see time and time and time again in Jesus' ministry where people professed their faith or acted their faith and Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. If that's the principle of God, which the Bible identifies it is, according to your faith, receive as much mercy of God as you can or as you will. Folks, there's a spiritual law that will never change. That spiritual law is what you say from your heart, not based on circumstance, but what you say from your heart will come to pass in your life. The Word of God tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. That means to live like God's Word is true. Train yourself so that no matter what happens in life, your first question is, what does the Bible say about this? Then do what it says and watch the blessings of God come to pass. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
The declaration of faith will rescue you. The declaration of faith shall deliver you. The declaration of faith shall make you safe. The declaration of faith shall make you sound. The vow or declaration of faith shall heal the sick. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.